to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James. He, him, his. I'm a queer, political, comedian, self-proclaimed, sexy blurred. That's a uh, black nerd. And each week I'm joined in the corner by another fabulous minority where we tackle pop culture, the news, media, and history, all with a little self-care and self-love sprinkled throughout. Well, this is a take two. So guest co-host and I, Shannon Algio, Shannon is back. So you know we're going to get all spiritual woo-woo because it's perfect. It's a new year, new us. So we had recorded an amazing episode. It was in the can, and at the end of the episode, we realized something tragic had happened. And the episode was essentially lost. So that entire episode that we had was essentially just for our own benefit. We had a beautiful episode. It's gone. And then uh, Shannon was able to rejoin to make some time today for a take two. So here it is. So we redove back into the conversation that we had had a few days ago, and we looked into this week's debate, which was kind of good because some time had passed, so we're able to dive even further into it. And if you saw the Democratic debate this week, you know uh, mom and dad are fighting. What? Is there a beef between Warren and Sanders, or is this just tribalism amongst their supporters taking to the extreme degrees on the social interwebs? Is it just the media and Russia at it again? Are we just fighting amongst each other and we should be united? So you're also going to find out why Lev Parnas has me throwing tables, and that's where we should really be unified. Also, Cynthia and Revo said, uh-uh, to the BAFTAs over POCs being snubbed again. I've got some notes for the Oscars because they be snubbing the melanin folks as well. Also, what is Meryl Streep's process? Shannon and I have some very different theories, and could the she-devil herself, Roseanne, be at the center of it? You'll find out why. Then we're going to jump into the main event. Shannon is going to align our chakras, highlighting an ancient practice of yoga medra, a.k.a. what I like to call adult napping, and why in these times we need to become awake to all the things that are sleeping inside of us, how we become what we repeatedly practice, whether that's stress or anxiety, Shannon's also going to define trauma for us, a really beautiful definition that pops out of this episode, and describes what the four C's of life are and how we contain multitudes, and scientifically, why diversity is beneficial to everyone. So this week, we are going to connect to our inner world. It is such a wonderful episode. So excited for us to jump into it. New year, new us. We're going to center ourselves. So it's time to learn, laugh, and play right here on Minority Corner, because together, we're the majority. Here we go. Welcome back to the show, Shannon. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me back. Take, it's almost, I have like a deja vu feeling, like we've done this before, like recently. Mm, yeah, like, like maybe like... Two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah. Weird. Um, Should we tell everyone? Yes. I always love to let them know how the sausage is made. Or if you're vegetarian or vegan, how the carrots are grown. Is that safe to say? Carrots are grown. But we've got like our tempeh sausage and, you know, like a (laughs) tofu moment. (laughs) So how the tofu is made. Um, So uh, Shannon and I had a beautiful episode that we recorded put it in the can it was so good it was so good and long story long there was a technical thing that happened and i i 
it, so the episode was just for us. It was just for us. And you know what? I'm kind of okay with that because I really enjoy you as a human being. And mm. we got to hang out for two hours on Zoom and, or two on hours. Google Hangouts. It was Google Hangout. We now are on Zoom. Little plug. Uh, we're not getting any money from Zoom, but this is a little commercial for Zoom. We're now coming to you live on Zoom. We've retired. We've retired Google Hangout. Google Hangout. Well, I should say you have. I had retired years ago. A long but, time you ago. Know, you know. She was on her last leg. She's done. She's out. And here we are. So we're just going to, we're jumping back into it. So, well, this is actually kind of good because a lot has kind of happened. You know, news is moving at such a fast, rapid rate. There's so many things that are happening between the debates, the impeachment trials, and more news and information has developed. So the debates happened. The great thing is I have a memory like a goldfish, so I don't remember <laughs> what you said. So we get to rehab this conversation. Fantastic. That works so well for me. Yay. Because I, so I remember every word. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> You're almost, you can say my lines for me. You can say exactly <laughs> what I had said last time. Uh, the debates happened. You watched. I did not. I went to Moulin Rouge instead. How, how was the debates? I saw highlights. What were your hot takes from the debates that happened? Yeah, so I, sorry, I I went to the Moulin Rouge in Paris oh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, and so anyway, I just pictured you like in Paris at the Moulin Rouge, but you went to see the Broadway musical Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I did not have a quick jaunt flight. I was like, you know what, the debates. I just need to get out of the country. I can't handle this politics stuff. I'm just gonna go dip into the Moulin Rouge. Go to the gay my, Paris. Good to go to gay Paris. See if Satine is still there, and then come back and be like, what happened? What I miss sensible well <laughs> i did watch the debates and they were good uh like there's a whole stink happening that it's actually i think even better that we're talking about it now yeah. mm-hmm. like elizabeth warren and bernie sanders and this like like feud that they're having which is so ridiculous and so media generated right. and so trumpian and so reality tv if you actually watch the debates the exchange that happened was very amicable, very yeah. supportive. They called yeah. each other friends. Yes. And yeah, they disagree. And Bernie says he, here's what happened. So Bernie Sanders allegedly, I feel like that's the word of the week, allegedly said um, that a woman couldn't be elected president of the United States or, or that this is not a time for a woman to be elected the president of the United States. And he says that he didn't say that. Yeah, in and a private meeting in 2018 when these two friends were coming together to probably be like, hey, I'm thinking about running because they're friends. And then perhaps this is the feedback that he had given. Right. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are friends. And what's what's just interesting, and Bernie Sanders' argument here was that when moveon.org tried to draft Elizabeth Warren to run for president at the end of 2015, had the hashtag run Warren run campaign to which I donated. I've loved Elizabeth Warren for a long time (laughs) yeah, and also love Bernie Sanders. And I just love everybody. Um, So (laughs) love, love, love. So his argument was that he stepped back at that time and was encouraging Elizabeth Warren to run. And when she decided not to run against Hillary Clinton, that's when Bernie decided to run. And he said, go to YouTube. There's footage of me 30 years ago saying a woman could be president of the United States. He's like, anyone who knows me knows that I believe a woman can and should be the president of the United States. And if you know Bernie Sanders, I feel that you kind of know that that is his truth. Totally. And what's something that's come up in my community of like political activists who are in the wellness, meditation, yoga, like health care world yeah. are uh, is that there's a difference between Bernie Sanders 
um, saying that a woman shouldn't be the president of the United States or, and, and saying that like, maybe now is not the best time for a woman to yeah. be president of the United Absolutely. States because he lost and Trump won to Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And let me just preface this. I, I, I'm not saying I agree with that belief necessarily, but he's uh, running for president of the, he's running for the yeah. democratic ticket. Yeah. And so it's a fair thing for him to be like, I should be president right now. Sure, sure. Well, and actually, like, the thing is, too, I think what's so interesting, and I think it's a lot of what you're saying, I think this was blown out of, you know, proportion. I Because I, I look back on this, and I love both Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders. And, what, and I think this is also a good conversation of, like... Um, statistically like it's been proven that human beings actually don't have very good memories. Like we actually don't retain a lot of stuff. Our brains are kind of editing to create a fast sort of highlight reel of moments that happen. We actually like lose 40% of an event that happened after like 24 hours. Like we actually don't have really good memories. And then we kind of put in different things in between them. So it's very well that I think this conversation did happen. And I think they're remembering it in different sort of ways and facets. And I kind of was thinking about this. Like, I remember after Stacey Abrams lost her governor, uh, when she was running for governor, she had lost. And I had said at that moment, wow, I actually don't think I thought, because I love Kamala Harris. And I was like, oh, I don't think she can, she can win. It doesn't mean that I don't think that I don't want her to be able to be president or, or to that. It's just that I don't think that, I, at that time, I didn't think that America was ready for a black female president. So I feel like it's that same thing that Bernie Sanders was possibly saying. It's not that I don't think that you could win. Or I don't think it's not that I don't, wouldn't want that ideologically to happen. It's just that I'm looking at where the country is, and and he had just ran, and, and so I think the words and everything was just sort of turned all upside down. Now, I do yeah. think seeing from Elizabeth Warren's standpoint that your friend and colleague and this dude is saying, I don't think a woman can win. I can actually see how that would be hurtful and how I think they both are taking it, took that whole entire experience in a different way. And for Bernie Sanders, he probably doesn't really remember that conversation because it didn't really mean a lot to him. But for Elizabeth Warren, that absolutely probably did stick to her mind and memory and probably hurt. Maybe, maybe yeah. like, and, and the thing is that, is that the questions that CNN was asking were, were questions that were trying to pick at this wound between the sure. two of them. And absolutely. so when Bernie Sanders said, I didn't say that, the the next question from from the uh, moderators yeah. at CNN was so Elizabeth Warren or Senator Warren, how do you feel about him saying that? Sure. And she and her response was, I disagree. Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing, but I might be quoting exactly. <laughs> I disagree. Listen, Bernie is my friend, and I'm not here to fight with Bernie. Yeah. And then she pivoted to talking about what actually matters. And totally. I think that that. That's like at the end of the day, this is ridiculous. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are on the same team. Obviously, a woman can be a president of the United States. A major thing for many people who are Democrats right now is who can beat Donald Trump. Sure. And I'm not convinced either way. I think that Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren could beat Donald Trump. That's my personal opinion. Totally. Um, and I think what it's going to take for that to happen is that we all rally behind whoever the, it is. Yes, and that these people are a team. They literally, they're, so many of their values are incredibly aligned. Yeah, they're basically duplicates of each other. So who benefits? Hairs. Yeah. Oh, who benefits good call. from this feud? The, the, and the answer to that is the media. Russia? The media, 
yeah, Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, love Joe Biden as well, sure. of course. Yeah. Like no, but but like the other candidates benefit, the media benefits, and so no, no Bernie or Elizabeth, in my opinion, no Bernie or Elizabeth supporters benefit. Everyone loses from yeah. this if you I, care about these values. I think it's also just coming off the heel. I think we're so easily triggered into online feuds because I. I that synapse is so connected into our brains because after what happened in 2016, I think we're just so quick to sort of jump on these feuds and things like that. Um, I think the feud was more so between the followers and constituents than it really was between, you know, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Now there is the hot mic of when, after the debate, Elizabeth Warren is shaking people's hands and she does say to Bernie, she goes, he reaches out his hand and she does not go to shake his hand. And she's like, she recoils I, think you just, it, her I think you just called me a liar on national TV. Now I give, is her, that what she said? Yes. She's like, I think you just called me a liar on national TV. And he's like, what? No, I didn't. And he's like, he's like, well, we can talk about this later. I give her snaps. Where did this audio come from? Because I watched this moment so many times. Oh, it's a hot mic. Oh, it's this the news. The mic was still on. Her mic was still on. So now we've been able to listen to the audio recording and see what it is that she said. And yeah. yeah. Here's how I see that moment, though, is like sometimes when two people are friends and they work together. Yeah. And like you, you, it reminds me of me and my sister when one of us like pisses the other off. You're like, yeah, like. It's not like the, it's not, here's the thing is we're so used to conflict, sure. meaning there is an enemy yes. and, and, and now we're like against each other. And now like there's this feud. It's so funny. My sister just texted me and she's talking about her computer. <laughs> and she's like, you just in. called me a liar. <laughs> <laughs> we're so used to this. We're so sure. used to this like um, divisiveness and, being relationship ending instead yeah. of like sometimes mommy and daddy are fighting y'all yes. like because let's we're get in back such to work. A, and I think again we're so triggered for cancel like culture and because we're able to create our communities and, and we have to remember that sometimes we just we won't necessarily agree on like everything it doesn't mean that we hate each other and again I think that she's just sort of calling him out of like hey you made me look silly or like you know um, I, I don't think that it was like an ending of a moment I think again the, the followers have, have taken Taken it uh, into extremes. I do think it was a really good night for Elizabeth Warren because her pivots, she was able to make the case that her, she's never lost any of her elections, her or Amy Klobuchar. So again, I think people are still thinking like, oh, what Bernie Sanders did allegedly say, I think we've all thought like, yeah, man, can a woman be president? Because we've seen what happens and they have to work twice as hard to get half as much or or, or they have to be so overly qualified. Um, I don't know if a, a female mayor could just run for president. Like there's certain things that women they have to have a or any sort of minority has to tend to have like a, a much deeper resume than you know just some white dude or something like that and i think she and even like her going up to bernie i think she's shown how tough she really is uh that's what i i saw over the last night's debate or the few nights ago mm-hmm. yeah so yeah oh. and it's like the i i have this little dream vision yeah that so shall us her dreams on the heels of martin luther king's birthday what is your dream <laughs> i or have guess a the dream. toes or like the, it's not the heels what, what's the, the the toes of martin luther king's birthday well here's my dream <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. i think martin luther king would probably be behind it he'd co-sign don't want to speak for him of course but that here's my dream is that Instead of whoever wins the Democratic nomination, this is what I want. I don't want to know just who your vice president is. I want you to, you to take this team of Wait, like your warriors. Team? Your I want to know the whole cabinet. Oh, agree. Tell me the totally. whole ticket. I want to know where Stacey Abrams is. Yeah. I want to know where Andrew Gillum is. I want to know where 
where Bernie is or Elizabeth Andrew, is. Like, Andrew Yang. I think everybody who's pretty Yang, much ra- Marianne Williamson, Marianne Williamson. Show me that Department yes, of Peace. Exactly. I want. Show me the uh, the ticket. The same. Page. The ticket. Here's the team. This is not. This is no longer like an opening act and then the main performance. I want. This is like a fucking music festival. Yeah. Who's playing? I want to know who all the bands are before I, I buy line the ticket. Up. I agree. I think that actually is a really smart move. Of like, here's my dream. Here's my team. Because I've how unifying said, would that be? Yeah, and I've actually said in the very beginning when I saw all 20 of these people running and there was probably like at least like 12 of them that I was like oh yeah I'm interested in in hearing what you'd say and like I think if you brought them all together what an amazing team would be and it's so much also less divisive because I think it's something that we have to remember that we are on the same side and one thing that was really great is a lot of the progressive movements uh, created uh, a a truce online essentially or like having like everybody who is for progressive values to sign this that they're going to vote for whoever the progressive like get behind whoever the candidate is because again I think the feud was way more between the uh, people online than it was uh to the actual Elizabeth Warren and Bernie. Um, and just to remind ourselves that like Twitter is not real life. <laughs> uh, I think we like Twitter and social media, it's not real life. It's sort of this sort of matrix world where it's, it's not, it's not real. Uh, and I think we have to remind ourselves that like, it, it's so easy to get triggered and angry on these online sources. And also like you were saying, like we're so used to like these, reality TV and these gladiatorial like fights and debates and like we want to see table flipping and shit like that. And this um, is not celebrity apprentice. This is not for your entertainment. This is for the greater good of all. So let's stop trying to get our entertainment from politics. Instead, get educated, make informed decisions and let it be boring and not make a stupid conversation like into this, you know, uh, excuse for division because ultimately it's like, it, it, we want to look at the things that are bringing out our ego and divisive kind of tendencies. Yeah. And if we don't address those within ourselves, like you, you've said many times, James, like that it's, it's a lot of this is kind of being inflamed. You know, Elizabeth was pissed at Bernie after the debate, right? I have a feeling knowing both of them, I mean, because I know them both so personally. <laughs> yeah, you guys um, have had coffee. <laughs> they, they're going to let that go. Oh, I mean, moving on. These, bigger these two picture. people are here for like bigger I, deal issues here. Like they're going to let that go. So why are we obsessing? Holding on to it. There's other, again, oh, there's bigger issues, especially within the last, like since that debate, there are much more important things that we can all sort of rally behind. I am literally flipping tables over the Lev Parnas interview with Rachel Maddow. And Lev Parnas is one of the goons that essentially was acting on the behalf of the uh, the guy in the White House to dig up information on uh, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden uh, to put pressure on the Ukrainian government to announce they're investigating, uh, putting an investigation into Joe Biden uh, and just essentially going into all this sort of conspiracy theories and, and bullshit. Essentially, again, he's uh, the president was, was using the presidency of the office to benefit himself. Lev Parnas in the epicenter of all of this and who was, you know, is, is facing trial. He had an amazing interview with both Anderson Cooper and Rachel Maddow and corroborating everything that we kind of knew he was in the center of it. And he's naming names. He is spilling the tea. Everybody was involved. Lev. Pence, I, I, uh, William Barr. 
uh, Devin Nunez, who was like heading the impeachment trial in the uh, in the House, while well, he was on the committee in the House for the Republicans, like just dropping like everybody is involved. So I don't understand like. That's where my focus and attention is, and we should all be unifying. I think Democrat, Republican alike, that there are cockroaches and that we need a huge extermination. Like, flipping the tables, that's where we should all be putting our focus and attention on. And Like, again, news is moving so fast. I highly recommend looking at this interview because this is history in the making. Like, we're in the epicenter of it. Cool. I'm going to check that out. Oh, also really dope because it was like uh, both Rachel Maddow and Andy Vandy, um, Anderson Cooper. I call him Andy Vandy because he's Anderson Vanderbilt. Um, I like Andy Vandy. Wouldn't it be great if he's just like, hi, I'm Andy Vandy. You're just like, Andy Vandy. <laughs> well, they, sort of his like, like drag alter ego. Probably. Well, snaps to queer journalists because they're getting the scoops and getting the tea. Yes. Um, so much more important than these little squabbles. And also I have to take like anything I'm seeing, any feuds that I'm seeing that are related to politics in social media. I kind of always have to think of like, I wonder if this is being perpetuated by Russian bots. Kind of always have to kind of have that in the back of your mind because it's possible and include that into the formula of your thoughts. Did you watch The Great Hack? Is that the one about the Cambridge Analytic? Yes, it's an yes. On, and it's on, I believe yeah. it's on Netflix. Yeah, did yeah, you yeah. watch it? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. The Great Hack. I was like, holy crap. The way yeah. that persuadable voters in swing counties, yeah. like in swing districts, mm-hmm. were specifically targeted with specific information that was straight up propaganda. Oh, hands down. And the way that we we get our information and therefore we get our education from social media and that there are people with goals who are paying for us to receive certain information, which shapes the minds of citizens who then go out and based on those newly formed beliefs, make votes. Yeah. It's like, we, we all should be questioning everything. everything. Like, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, they even, we talked about this on the show before too. They even, it turned out that like a huge percentage of tweets about the last Jedi came from Russian bots because they just want us constantly fighting. If we're fighting about pop culture, we'll fight about any and everything. If we're so divided on everything and then we're just triggered to, it, it becomes a reactionary response. Anytime there's something that comes up, we have a, an opinion, we stick into it. Anybody else who doesn't agree exactly the way that we do, fuck them. They're the enemy war, you know? And so we're just constantly having these little mini civil wars when it's just like, take a breath, take a beat, and relax. One of the most powerful things is um, from Brene Brown's book, uh, Braving the Wilderness. Mm. Dr. Brene Brown, she's a shame and vulnerability researcher, University of Houston, and has one of the most listened to TED Talks ever, The Power of Vulnerability. And she um, I love how you just know, like, again, I love Brene Brown, too, but I love you just like rattle off her resume. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's had such an influence on like on my work. And w- one of the chapters in Braving the Wilderness is called People Are Hard to Hate Close Up. Yeah. Move in. Mm. Move in. And like, I, I so believe this, like with, with when it comes to like experiences that I've had as a white man with like with race and learning about race. Like some of the most powerful learnings I've had are not from like social media. Like I've had a lot of powerful education through social media, but some of the most powerful experiences I've had for me personally have been through relationships 
with people of color and understanding their experiences as a human being as best as I can through empathy and connection because I care about that person and I love them. And so this goes across all boards. Like social media is not where we go to heal. Social media is where we go to see how what needs to be healed. Oh, yeah. Like it's it's showing us a mm. lot of the problems and yeah. a lot of the division and a lot of the ego and and separation uh, in the human mind and how we are looking for that enemy and we want to like you know fight but our work is to be in relationship with one another and and to have compassion connection empathy because that's where like if we just are trying to fix the world on our yeah. phones like y'all this shit's going down you're gonna need to like wake up and like get your body involved yeah what i love i love that you made me kind of think of this uh sort of analogy of i going on social media is kind of like going to the doctor and you're kind of like uh what's like what's wrong or like i'm feeling some you know symptoms or and the doctor will tell you like you got cancer <laughs> and okay great now we need to go and 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 take care of this and we don't heal through that through just like talking to the doctor and just sitting there in the doctor's office and talking about all the things that are going on and pointing at all those things uh, the radiation is the vibrations that we get from each other and going into the mm. field and doing the work and doing the healing and uh connecting with other people that's where the real work starts to to sort of happen because again we keep looking like Donald Trump and a lot of the issues that we're having and social media again will show us the can show us sort of the uh, 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 symptoms of everything that's happening. Donald Trump is a symptom of our society of what's happening, but he's not like the cause of it. And so we have to go deeper to go in into to healing the the causes, and that's going to come from. Um, you know, deep media sources, I guess, or like, you know, education of like watching documentaries or, or critical thinking, critical thinking, uh, having conversations, going out into the community, doing like the real sort of work. But I love that, that like, yeah, you go on social media and you see like, Oh, this is what's wrong. I got, you know, I got the flu. All right. Now I got to go take some medicine. Yeah. And uh, just like you're saying, like Donald Trump is the symptom of a culture and a system that created him. And we are all complicit in that system. And so if we don't look at the ways that we are investing our attention, our thoughts, our money, our energy, our resources in that system and in that culture, it's the, it's the culture of division. It's the reality television culture that allowed Donald Trump to become president. Truth. Yeah. We think that, you know, or somebody, some people think that someone like that is going to solve our problems. But really what's happening is he's revealing to us. He's helping mm. us see. Yeah. So well, many of the problems. And the thing is, that, like, again, <laughs> we can't keep looking at politicians, like one politician to be the person that saves us from everything that I think it's a call. It's a rem- but the, 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 the antidote is that we're realizing is that everyone has to get involved in democracy, that democracies are, are earned. If you don't work at a democracy or fight for it, someone is going to take it away. Before you know it, you've got a few rich and powerful people, essentially an oligarchy of people who are in control of things. And that's looks to be the direction that we're heading in unless we stand up and fight for our democracy and get involved right for the people of the people people, by by the the people people. so that means the people the more that the people are awake and involved yes the more that the system is going to be of for and by the people it's almost fubu for us by us but we're almost 
Did you ever know that's what FUBU stand, stood for? It was a. No, this is my first time interacting with the expression FUBU, and I'm. Oh, really well, kind of I'm going to learn like you this something. Is initiation for it, me. <laughs> oh, welcome. Uh, Shannon's FUBU like, <laughs> christening. Yeah, you're almost there. So, <laughs> what, really quick. So, the Oscars happen, and I don't know. I think I'm wanting to learn. I think this is like a Buddha standpoint of like. The Oscars nominations happened, no, not the Oscar, Oscars. Well, they did in my head. I've already, I already know who's. Okay, I'm like, did I miss the Oscars? <laughs> I was like, since Wednesday. You Jesus. were so ingrained in the debate, and uh, you missed it. No, um, so the nominations happened, and I feel like I, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't give a flying fuck about the Oscars because, like, the movies that I liked, like the you know Power Rangers movies that was not going to get nominated so I just was like the MTV Movie Awards was the place for me where I felt like my movies that was the award show for me something happened when I became an adult and I like get disappointed now when my movies aren't getting any recognition and it feels like you're not being included into the larger conversation so first thing that happened was the BAFTAs happened and since there was it was just the BAFTAs are like the British Oscars essentially and it was a pretty much like all white nominations. And then Cynthia Revo, who was in Harriet, she wasn't nominated and they asked her to sing and at the show, almost like, Hey, black lady, come shuck and drive over here. And she turned it down and I got to give her snaps for, for not uh, participating. Cause again, like a lot of POC British actors come over here to the U S to get work because there's just not a lot of work over there in the UK, which is unfortunate. And then the same thing kind of happened in the Oscars. It just wasn't, I thought there was a lot of like uh, great performances and, and movies by people of color this year. And it's just still sad that like, I don't know, some years we have really good years and, and Cynthia Revo was nominated for Harriet, but then it's sort of like, it's a, and I love the movie. It's a slave by, by it's a slave pick. And here you have Lupita Nyong'o who did a wonderful performance. I don't see there was another performance that was better this year in us. And what I appreciate about the performance is it's not race related necessarily. It was just a wonderful performance. And it seems like the only time people of color can get recognized if it's, it's something related to like their struggle. Mm. Yes. And, and it's, it's uh, the movie's called us that Lupita's in. Yeah. Yeah. I need to see us. I did see Harriet. I need to see us. Ugh, um, take note. It's brilliant. It's like a masterclass in acting. Mm, mm. And some, something that I love, though, about... was something we did talk about last time. Okay, here's my thing. And this is going to be maybe possibly unpopular opinion. But, like, what I love about, like, like Cynthia Revo and even, like, Lupita Nyong'o will talk about their process. And... There was that interview with Oprah recently where they each did a session with Oprah and talked a lot about their process with those roles. And I love that because as an actor, like, how do you do it? How do you get to what it is that you're you're doing? And I like I love Meryl Streep. I love her, but she doesn't talk about her process. And to me, it makes me think that like I think that she sold her soul to the devil. Because why doesn't she talk about her process? Or like she her process is so weird and silly that she doesn't is it that I don't know, but I think that Meryl Streep sold her soul to the devil because she doesn't talk about her process. Well, and you know how I feel about this. Yes, I do. But I'll share. Okay. I mean, you yeah. know, that's why we're here. That's why we're here to share. I feel like her process, she's <laughs> like, You want me to show you my process? Watch my process unfold live your in face. your face in every performance where I'm giving my all. Ugh, like, love like, that. 
<laughs> I love that idea because it kind of says that like her, she's so ahead of the time that she probably couldn't even put into words like what her process is. Like she's like it here it is. Like and you're not you don't understand it. Like it's right in front of your face. She's like I read the script <laughs> and like and then I like become the part, the character. Like what is this process you speak of? <laughs> I am the process. The process is me. I, I am the process. I guess just as an actor, I just would appreciate just some notes of how I get there. And I wouldn't want her to like, and again, this is that she's just too advanced and I couldn't understand it. Or like, I, or I, I, it's right in front of my face. Like, what is, she's like, what do I need to explain? I just would hate for her to like something tragic to happen to her. And she goes off from this plane with all that information. We didn't get it. Whereas like Cynthia and Lupita are like, here's what I do. Well, let's send some love to Meryl Streep and see her in like full health and like long life. Yes, absolutely. I'm not trying to wish anything <laughs> ill on her. I, and that her, <laughs> I, or my, my other theory is that her process is so silly that she's like almost embarrassed. Like she puts on clown makeup and like slaps herself with salami. And she's like, I can't share this with anyone. Yeah. I think she has to be like wrapped in lunch meats <laughs> to even like memorize really a single go line. There. It's her own way. Who are we to question her process? process yeah it's you know like she doesn't owe you her process whoa fair shots fired shots (laughs) fired she doesn't owe me anything well listen i was gonna say well i do pay to go see her you know performances but then she also pays me with her talent you know so there is a give and receive there's there's an there's definitely exchange happening with miss meryl streep what's that movie where like out of africa roseanne is the devil and whoa miss this one i was gonna say death becomes her which let us not forget that meryl streep and goldie hahn and bruce willis are in death becomes her which is one of my favorite movies of all time death becomes her (gasps) okay i'm I'm actually like taking a moment to google this because i think it's called like she devil or something that like that roseanne meryl streep it's it is one of the most insane movies of all time oh yeah it's called she devil it's from 1989 it's from 1989. I think this is probably when she stopped sharing her process. Because <laughs> she sold her soul to the devil at this moment. I don't know if she sold her soul to the devil, but after you work f- with Roseanne, it's like, I don't like need to have a process. Oh, because Roseanne takes you to that level. You're just like, yeah, you're just like living wild process. And uh, I'm good. Now I know I know what I'm doing. And uh, everyone, I have a call to action. Okay, Google she devil (laughs) Meryl Streep Roseanne and just look at this first YouTube video like cover photo. It says everything. There's like fire. There is like I I think the story is that like Meryl Streep is this very fancy white woman and, and, you know, Roseanne is. Roseanne and um and oh yeah look at this cover and what a young Meryl Streep I mean there are I think Meryl sleeps with Roseanne's husband and Roseanne becomes the she-devil that essentially like tries to ruin uh Meryl Streep's character's life a surprisingly resourceful housewife vows revenge on her husband when he begins an affair with a wealthy romance novelist I mean, that sentence alone gives you all you need to know about Meryl Streep's process. (laughs) This is so interesting, too, because, again, this is actually proving my point where I think Beelzebub and her are, you know, good friends. Because shortly after she does Death Becomes Her, where someone essentially gives their soul over to become young and youthful forever, and she plays like an actress, so... This is right around that time. I think she's telegraphing us her process as well. So, 
this yeah, goes maybe we just need to open up like and develop another sense to receive mm. you know like we need to have like a seventh sense to receive the download of the process that's that she's trying to communicate. It's like a whale sound kind mm. of thing. What I love is that this reminds me again how two people can look at the same information and see two different things similar to Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders of like, <laughs> uh, you're seeing uh, her creating process and I'm seeing she sold her soul to the devil. And you know, we both live in our realities. We do. Revenge is sweet and low. That is, is that the, the tagline tag of She Devil. That's... I just texted you, James. I just texted you the um the the cover photo of what must have been the VHS. Oh yeah, no, I'm looking at it. I it's uh, Roseanne strangling Meryl Streep as she's holding a dog in a pink dress. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it all its glory. Well, okay. Happy watching, my friends. You're welcome. There we go. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and then you're gonna come back, and you're going to help us process our new year, new us. Bingo, bingo. Hey gang, Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun, and with me is Stacy Molsky, who is, among other things, the lady who responds to all of your tweets. Hi everyone, I also send you newsletters. Uh, so anyway, something really awesome. You, Max Fun listeners, have given us the chance to do something really cool on behalf of our entire community, and we wanted to tell you about it. Last summer, following the Max Fun Drive, we put all of the enamel pins on sale to $10 and up members, with proceeds going to the National Casa GAL Association for Children. Your generous support and enthusiasm raised over a hundred thousand dollars. Our bookkeeper Steph would be quick to tell me the exact total is. $109,025, to be exact. Your money will go toward pairing kids who've experienced abuse or neglect with court-appointed advocates or guardian ad litem volunteers. In other words, kids in tough spots will have somebody in their corner. Knowledgeable grown-ups who are on their team through court dates and life upheavals and confusing situations, whatever. The money we raise together is going to help a lot of kids. Whether you bought pins or not, you can help us build on that $109,000 foundation. Make a donation to support National Casa GAL and help some of our nation's most vulnerable children at MaximumFun.org slash C-A-S-A. That's MaximumFun.org slash CASA. And seriously, thank you. Our community rules. Right, Shannon's Corner. We're gonna align our chakras and get to us a new us, a better us, a spiritual us. Spiritual us. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm spiritual. Um, I'm spiritual. Do you like how we got a little like 80s like robot in there? I like to talk about like my work that I just did immediately. Mm, yes, <laughs> the work. You're pro- you're showing me your process. <laughs> Meryl Streeping you. <laughs> I'm about to Roseanne you back, bitch. Oh my god, that is actually maybe, you know, there is something maybe like a little like self-gratifying to be like, here's my process, see what I did? Did you like it? Did, uh, is it good? So, I understand. <laughs> now she's like, I don't need your feedback on my process. Like, you know, figure it out. I did. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk to people about, like, this this concept of getting in touch with the true you. 
and taking time to go inward. I don't know if people know, but I teach meditation and I teach a form of meditation called yoga nidra. Oh. Do you, do you know what yoga nidra is? Um, I'm going to cheat because I'm going to remember that this is something that I do remember from our conversation a few days ago. <laughs> I don't know. Should oh, I wow, play, should I play stupid? I'm just going to play stupid. No, I don't know what that is. <laughs> No, tell me what you remember. Um, Actually, and the reason why I remember what it is is because I took one of your classes and workshops. Again, I was in a, I was in a really, I was about to turn 34, like two days away. I was having a serious, what I was seeming as like a health crisis. It turned out to not be. This was in May, yeah? June. It was in June. Thanks for June. remembering my birthday. Um, it was in June. <laughs> I invited you to my birthday. You didn't show up. That's fine. Um, it's just a part of my process. <laughs> Oh my God. What's a birthday? Time is a construct. So uh, I was having a really, really terrible time. You came out of nowhere because you're just such an angel in my life that you always appear like where I really, really need you. The universe sent you to my life and you appeared and you invited me to what you kind of pitched it as is like an adult napping class. Mm. And I had, I was like, yes. And I had an amazing journey through it because of the techniques and exercise that you put us through. I was able to just get really to get into my core and my center and have a really beautiful conversation with, you know, my higher power and got clear and had some really some clarity through adult napping. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. So for people to get like kind of a sense of this. So you know, if you've ever been to a yoga class or if you haven't, at the end of a yoga class, there's this really beautiful period of time called Shavasana, which is corpse pose. You just lie on your back and you exhale. Ugh. And sometimes there's some music playing or the teacher might be playing some singing it's bowls. It's the best part of and yoga it's class. Just, it's the best part of yoga class. So, you know, I've been teaching yoga for almost a decade. And since I moved to LA about three years ago, I've been teaching more meditation And I have started to teach this practice called yoga nidra, which is basically like a 45 minute Shavasana. Mm. And it translates yoga nidra. It's all, it's um, up to like 5,000 years old, somewhere around there. It's an ancient yogic practice and it translates to the art of transformational sleep or enlightened sleep, but it's kind of mistranslated. Because it's not actually like sleep isn't quite the correct word because we think of sleep as going to bed at night, yes. like a like a nap. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually what it means is it's the art of transformation through the process of becoming awake to the areas of our lives where and the areas within ourselves that we are asleep to that we are mm-hmm. unaware of. So you're becoming conscious of the non-conscious. You're bringing the light of your awareness to the shadows of your own inner world. um, And you're bringing the shadows of your own inner world to the light of your consciousness. So there's a merging happening. Mm. And and this might sound like, whoa, but it's actually very practical. You bring, it's a deep relaxation um, series of exercises where you bring your awareness and place light in all these different areas of the body And as you bring your awareness to your shoulder joint and your elbow joint and your wrist joint, you, you release, you know, more and more into the ground. So you're received by yoga nidra. And if you want to go deep with me for a moment, yoga nidra is actually a goddess, a goddess of like earth energy that holds and contains you. So you can finally let go of the tension that you're holding that you do not need to hold on to. 
Mm, and that. so, so when we do Nidra, we, we, in my practice, I just completed 40 days of practice. Okay. Hi, 40 and days. You yeah. Must be like, if you want to make something. Do you feel like, like you were like light as fuck and just like released or like about to walk on water? At, at times. I, I mean, <laughs> like I, there's no, um, there's no escaping my humanness, Ooh. Uh, but there. But I see how the practice of regularly, regularly becoming mm-hmm. conscious yeah. of the non-conscious aspects, those things in about myself that I'm normally numb to, mm-hmm. that I'm normally asleep to. Yeah. I can see how that consciousness, that cultivation of more consciousness, is influencing not just when I'm in the nidra state, like on my back resting but how it's moving upward and outward into my life. Yeah. And, I, and I'm more aware of where I'm at the sl- at, asleep at the wheel of my waking life. Yeah. yeah. I, I literally, it, it, it's like we become what we repeatedly practice. Sure. And so if you practice tension, if you practice anxiety, this might be a controversial thing to say because you might be like, I have tension, I have anxiety. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, when we have trauma, one of my mentors defines trauma as anything that overwhelms our capacity to cope and leaves us feeling hopeless or helpless Mm. or unable to respond. I'll say it again. Trauma is anything that overwhelms our capacity to cope and leaves us feeling hopeless, helpless, or unable to respond. So there's obviously varying degrees of trauma. There's, There's trauma that is shock trauma, like a car accident or a terrorist attack or some kind of earthquake or Uh, natural disaster, but there's also developmental trauma, things like being told by society or teachers or parents that you're not enough because you're a woman or because you're gay or queer or trans or a person of color. And then there's also, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a different, there's another type of trauma, but it's escaping my mind right now. But those are two big ones like developmental and shock. And, and so because of our traumas, Mm -hmm. we develop a tension to cope, yeah. to protect ourselves, right. to harden from from our softness, <gasps> so that we can be safe. Right. If, should something come and and try and hurt us again? Good thing we've got this armor for ourselves to help protect us. And I'm seeing. I'm going to try to connect a dot here where I think you're going into. Is that that's where this specific meditate, this specific yoga practice comes in handy because it's allowing us to go deep past the shell of this armor and to get into the inside and hopefully melt away some of that armor because that we've used to keep ourselves safe and to to survive um but sometimes like it gets to the point where it's like oh i don't really actually need need this and something that you were saying too is like we we were such habitual creatures so if we we train ourselves how to react and respond to things which again i think going back to social media and why people are so quick to fight about certain things online and that process gets faster and faster and faster because we train ourselves to react and get so offended and upset so quickly. And that just happens faster and faster and faster. And we get deeper and deeper and deeper into our armor shells. Totally. And everyone's responding based on traumas that they've had, be that with a relationship, an ex, a parent, like we're until you break, until you heal a pattern of trauma, it will repeat itself unconsciously, which is why it's so powerful to become awake to those areas that we are sleeping, where we are sleeping in our lives and in our bodies. In the yoga world, it's commonly said by many yoga teachers, and maybe you've heard this before, the issues are in our tissues. Ooh, I have not, but can I get that on a t-shirt, a bumper sticker, and a pillow, please? <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm sending it to you, baby. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So, so the issues are in our tissues and, and this is like, not just some like, you know, fun thing that yoga teachers say it's, it's, um, it's science right. has proven that our, our DNA is literally influenced by our biography, mm. not just our biology, but our biography, meaning what happens to us in our lives affects us on a cellular level. Yeah. And so what happens, I've had people come up to me after a yoga nidra session and just feel nice and relaxed and like, thank you. That was so beautiful. Um, and I've also had people come up to me and say, I've been working for over five years with my therapist to, to try and get in touch with my inner child to no avail. Mm. And this entire session, I was holding my inner child and Ugh. came into contact with her. Um, so it's like, at the level, oftentimes, here's the thing, our minds mm -hmm. should be the trusted partner of our soul, our, meaning our truest selves. Yeah. But when our minds are always running the show in the driver's seat, mm. oftentimes our minds are kind of conditioned to assess where is the next harm yeah. and how can I protect myself from that harm? Yeah. So we become reactive. When when we let the mind drive, we kind of are trying to control, manipulate, mm. um, and and be safe. But when we allow ourselves to feel, when we and when we allow ourselves to drop into the deeper wisdom that's contained within the body, deeper than the level of mind, deeper than the level of your of the, of your skin and the bones, you know, deeper into the level of the heart and yeah. to the deep space within, yeah. then we let go. Mm. And there's an exhale, there's a shedding of layers of, you know, some of us are, many of us are holding on to things that were never ours to carry. Mm. True. Things that were kind of put on to us by, you know, we become everyone's kind of dealing with their own traumas. And so the traumas get passed on to like other people and the people, even we just sort of interact with as well. Uh, like generational trauma is it's, it's real. And so things get passed on uh, to us and also just the daily interactions that we have. Some that you talked about last time in our uh, conversation, that's now lost to the, <laughs> it's just our last episode. Uh, but you talked about how, uh, I don't remember the scientific spiritual term that you used about it, but there's something about like, we literally, when we connect with other, each other, when we touch each other, that we're passing like our own microbiological cells or whatnot to each other. And so it's like literally the energy that we're literally passing to the other person. Correct. What's the exact term that you had used? Yeah. So there's this book and this, this actually like goes really beautifully with any spiritual practice or, um, and, and the yoga nidra practice. And it's, it's a book about science and the science of bacteria and the microbiome. There it is. And, uh, it's by Ed Young and it's endorsed by Bill Gates and all these, you know, fancy people. And it's, the book is called, I contain multitudes and your microbiome. I used to think the microbiome was like, like my gut health, like my, the the healthy bacteria in my yeah. gut, like the, this idea of like taking probiotics to enhance the microbiome and improve gut health. But your microbiome is actually the millions and millions of communities of bacteria that live on and within the body. Mm. And these are bacteria that, that are, that have been perpetuating older and evolving and growing like longer than any of humanity, like for millions and millions of years. And so li literally the more, you know, in, in, uh, the more we come into contact with different types of environments, our microbiome 
becomes more and more diverse right because we're taking in that uh that diversity of of bacteria remember bacteria is not bad there's only like there's a, most bacteria is good right most bacteria is is productive and efficient and helps uh maintain the health of an organism there's only some bad bacteria so every time we we you, know, you make out with somebody you mm. you know shake someone's hand i'll let your mind go wherever your mind wants to go and how you interact with people but we are diversifying our microbiome so you know james how diverse is your microbiome well i uh don't kiss and tell yes i do mine is very diverse that's your process Well, I have a very diverse, based on that, my microbiomes are very diverse. I guess it's- Yes, hunty. <laughs> diversity helps everyone. This is why diversity is so good. Uh, you need to mix up the microbiomes. Um, how fascinating. My mind is just sort of spinning faster than I can sort of keep up with. But then I guess it's also too of why it's so important for us to continue to connect in the real world. Because we can sort of share, because you can't really share microbiomes from what I know through the internet. Like right now, like you and I are not sharing any microbiomes. We're just looking at each other through the screen. And I think it also goes back to what Brene Brown was saying of moving in is, again, you... Because, mm. like, for example, I went to go see... I shook Elizabeth Warren's hand and Julian Castro's hand recently. I went to, like, an event of theirs. And it made such a greater impression on me having met both of them in person than just seeing ads and things online. And I thought, oh, that's really smart. Like now I get why candidates really do need to go out there and meet the people and shake hands because there's something that happens when you share microbiomes with a certain person. There's sort of an imprint that gets left on left behind. And we as human beings crave connection. We need to connect to one, one another. And so again, social media and internet can be such a great tool, but we need to share some microbiomes with each other. So let's all meet in Central Park today or over in LA. Y'all got parks in LA, whatever the big park is over there. Yeah. Group hug, um, consensual cuddle puddle. Yeah. And th- this is the thing is that, that, you know, in, in, in spiritual worlds and in spiritual practices, there's this belief that we are all connected mm. and this, this kind of proves that. Yeah. And, mm. and I, I, I re- recently led a meditation for this company out here in California called Seed and they are um, a microbiome company. They actually oh. gave me the, the book. I you went like to the genesis of, you went to the source. <laughs> yeah, I went to the source and they, um, I, I got to lead a meditation for them, but they were doing this offsite um, kind of community building thing for their like day for their whole staff. And, and so I went to lead a meditation for the whole staff. But before that, I got to see the presentation of a scientist who mm. who is coming to share with them like more information about how the microbiome works, and he shared that all uh, all bacteria operate in four ways, and I unfortunately can't remember the fourth, but there are four C's, and one is there. There's collaboration, cooperation, uh, competition, and the mystery C. <laughs> Cal, uh, calcium. Uh, Calissa Flockhart. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, coordination. Cory Booker. No, he's not in things anymore. Cory Booker. It's, it's definitely Cory Booker. But anyway, <laughs> isn't that how we're meant to operate? 
to there's a healthy level of competition. Yeah. There's collaboration. Oh, I, oh, community. Oh, that totally makes sense. I will vibe community, with all those. So community, collaboration, collaboration, cooperation, uh, and, cooperation and, and competition. competition. Oh, the four C's. The four C's of life. And that, well, that's literally how life works, and and that's how we're meant to be working as well. So I I, I just want to share one thing real quick because yeah. the this. I contain multitudes. That's really the point here that I want to um, to like share is, and that's what the yoga nidra practice is all about. When we are focused externally in our lives on the you know our personality and our bank account and the roles that we play, our relationships, our jobs, our achievements, our successes, like dot 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 dot, we can become so externally focused on getting our lives kind of in the perfect sort of arrangement so that we can then feel good and feel at peace. Mm. And we, when we do that and we kind of engage with all of that on the level of mind, giving value to all of these things outside of us, we can forget uh, to remember how much power lives within us. Mm-hmm the multitudes of millions and billions of cells that are within the body, the, the circulatory system that if unraveled would wrap around the world yeah. four and a half times. Yeah. Your circulatory system, one person's circulatory system could wrap around planet Earth four and a half times. So it's like the practice of yoga nidra is, is a tuning out of all of the vibration of, of um noise Noise, and a tuning in to the wisdom that lives within you. And I call it the soul and the soul is your essence. It's your truth. It's your presence. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's the invitation is, is really to create space to value your own personal practice of connecting to that truth within yourself. I call it a spiritual practice, but whether that's walking in nature without your cell phone, yoga, meditation, um, Whatever practice it is for you, journaling, mm. uh, we ha- we have to really value taking time to connect with our inner world because uh, only we can sort of make that choice to go inside. Beautiful. What I love about that too is it made me think of the Last Jedi, which I always hesitate bringing up because it's so divisive. But the movie ends, and a lot of the Star Wars saga is so much about hope. And the movie literally ends with uh, the late Leia Organa. Uh, Carrie Fisher, RIP, rest in power. She says to Ray, Ray's like, what are we going to do now? And she's like, we have everything we need. But then they took that as like, right now inside of you, you literally have everything that you need. And then sometimes the answers are just going within. We're so focused on sort of like the outside, you know, pressures and stress. And of course, if you're focusing on all the stuff that's going on outside, how can you not be destroyed by all of it? Oh my gosh. But if you go inside and you realize how connected you are to everything and everyone and everything then allows you to sort of be able to maneuver things at a much better flow of, of, of a space and state. And something too, I love about this practice that you're bringing up is that like you said 5,000 years, this thing's been around for 5,000 years, a specific practice. Talk about receipts. Like, Clearly, there's something for one that a lot of the issues and stuff that we're experiencing, the stresses and pressures and anxieties have been around for it ain't nothing new that people have been feeling anxious and stressed for centuries Mm -hmm. and that there's been a practice and a way to uh, ride those stresses and pressures. And, and I feel like now more than ever with, you know, this being 2020 and this election year, and it's like, there's so much in the balance and absolutely the more of a reason to go in before you can be effective in going out. 
Amen. It's necessary. It's absolutely necessary that we take that time. Well, thanks, Shannon. I am feeling ready to go. I'm going to go take myself an adult nap. Enjoy. Namaste. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And together we present Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. We explain the historical significance of everyday etiquette topics, then answer your questions relating to modern life. So join us weekly on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. No RSVP required. Check out Schmanners. Manner, Schmanners. Get it? And there you have it. A big thanks to Shannon to agreeing to be able to come back. It was so devastating. You record an episode. You're like, yeah, we did it. It was such a good conversation. And then realize, oh, fuck, this thing went awry. I swear, podcasting is like flying an airplane. You really have to have a pre-checklist. And even though you've done, like, let's say over 200 episodes and you think you know all the things there's so many moving parts. You always have to just like go through all the things as mundane as it is and make sure everything is up and running. Check it twice. And even then, things are still going to go awry. But that's it. There it is. The episode is there. Also, forgot to mention it this go around. We had mentioned it in the episode that just lost into the ethers. Shannon has a wonderful webinar to if you want more of this information that Shannon was giving and really want to help to re-establish all the great things that we were talking about, you can go to Soul Soul Unation. That's Soul S-O-U-L-U-M-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. It's like Soul and Illumination all together. Soulunation.com slash 2020. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, it's a webinar for you all from Shannon. So you can spend more time with Shannon. You can also check out Shannon's podcast, Soul Feed, and find Shannon on all the social meds as well. Oh, and you're never going to believe this. So Shannon and I actually had recorded my segment once again, Cut for Time. We just ran out of time to be able to talk about what I had already talked about uh, when we first had our conversation. It's I did it. I've been promising this for months. My tips for healing through a broken heart. It had been recorded. Me and Shannon had done it. It was going to be delivered to you today. And then this technical thing had happened. So... I guess the universe is just saying it's not time yet. It is not time. Maybe around Valentine's Day, right? A good time for healing. It's coming. <laughs> I have the list. I'm ready to deliver. There is no fact check this week because I am just trying to get this out to you, my corner kids, as quickly as possible, especially for you diehards who listen every Friday morning. We're on your commute. Sorry we weren't able to be there for you today. And for those of you who listen like Saturday, you're going to be like, makes no difference to me. It's still here. Or those of you who are listening like years from now, you're like, what is this guy talking about? So get involved in the conversation. You can tweet at Minority Corner. That's spelled with a K. It's just Minority Corner, the show name. You can also tweet at me. I'm James Arthur underscore M. You can also find us at the Minority Corner Kids Playground on Facebook. This is a great place to be because actually the Corner Kids on the Facebook found out about that the episode was going to be delayed Wednesday night when it had occurred that this was going to be what the situation was. Or was it Wednesday morning? 
something like that. So it's a great place to find out exactly all the inner workings of what's going on uh, with the show. It's where I'm the most active and post the most. So you can find us on Facebook and it's a great community of people. I love going on to that group and just seeing all the conversations that are happening and all the postings. You can also email us at minoritycorner at gmail.com. This is really great, too. Give us the insights as to what is going on. I am just one human being, and I will usually have one co-host, but what are the stories out there that we are perhaps missing? What are the issues that we're not touching on and not talking about? Let me know. Let us know. I will dig in there. Andy Vandy style, Rachel Maddie, Rachie Maddie, she needs a nickname as well, style. I am going to do the queer reporting for you. Well, I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening to Minority Corner because together we're the majority. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.